Go with me please to our text that we've been looking at previously. And I want to forewarn you, I want to take you to a number of scriptures this evening. Is that okay? What are y'all laughing about? Because I didn't get to the ones I started out this morning. No, I do. I want to, uh, I'm actually still laying foundation in this teaching. There's for some things I want to get to tomorrow, tomorrow evening and the next day. So I like things to be strongly, solidly based on the word, don't you? Not what somebody thought it said, but what it actually said. Let's look at our text first, 1 John 4 and John 13. 1 John 4 and John 13. How many have not been with us in these, the previous two sessions in this series? Lift up your hand. Okay, quite a few. We'll review a little bit, but we can't review too much or we'll get into the time for the other things. 1 John 4. And gospel account of John 13. In 1 John 4, verse 7, says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. How can you tell the people that are born of God and know God? Huh? They have this true love of God. Amen. This is the mark of the genuine Christian. The Lord has brought me back to this, I guess about a year ago now. And it's just been burning in my spirit ever since. And it just gets stronger the further I go with it. He had said to me, we already said it, but for those that were not with us, he had said to me, you're not emphasizing this enough. You and others have taught love like it's one of the many subjects that you teach on. You teach on healing, and you teach on prosperity, and you teach on righteousness, and you teach on authority, and you teach on love. He said, wrong. He said, I am love. Love is the New Testament command. Everything, including all of your faith, works by this. So this is supposed to be, uh, he went on to talk to me from John 13. This is the mark of the true Christian. It is by this, he said, that all men will know that you're my disciples. Out of all the things he could have said, he, he chose this. It's by this love. It's not by your speaking in tongues. It's not by your prosperity. It's not by your quoting scriptures. It's not by your revelation. In fact, you remember 1 Corinthians 13. You can have all this revelation and understanding and tongues and you can give and give. But if it's not done in this God kind of love, it means nothing. He said, you're not emphasizing it enough. He said, I want you to get to the place where no matter what you teach on or what you minister on or do, you've got one hand firmly and one foot firmly on love. And this is the core of everything that you do and everything that you teach and everything that you minister. And so I've been working on getting my mind renewed to this. How many believe this is important? This is supposed to be our core. This is not supposed to be something we also talk and, and, and look at. And the amazing thing to me, 
And Brother Copeland and I talked about this some. The amazing thing to me is, is how little I know about it. I mean, as you get into it, you, you, we, because we've heard about love, 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 uh, we don't realize that a lot of it's just been in passing. We haven't really camped on it like we have some other things. And we really are ignorant of this. You know, uh, Brother Hagin has said this many times. He said, you know, the more you learn, the less you see you know. And uh, you'll find this the most obnoxious Know-it-all people that you want to meet are, in fact, the most ignorant. That's right. That's right. I've had people come on to argue with me about the Scriptures and just so adamant, so obnoxious about their stance. And about two minutes into the conversation, you can see they can't hardly find the New Testament. <laughs> because you have to be that ignorant to believe you know that much. Are you with me so far? Is that making sense? You do. Because when you, and you know, one thing that will help you, the Lord told the king, when they were instituting the kingdom under the prophet Samuel and, and Saul and, 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 you know, and then David and, and Solomon and what have you, he told them, he said, when you take the kingdom, write for you a copy of the law and read it every day so that your heart doesn't get lifted up above your brethren. And you know there's a key here. If you, if you read the Word and get in the Word, you're always coming across things you don't know. <laughs> it keeps you aware of where you are. But if you stay out of the Word for a while, you get to thinking you know quite a bit actually. <laughs> there's a whole teaching here, but that's how deception works. But if you stay in the Word and you come to church and you stay in good meetings, you're all the time going, Whoo, I hadn't seen that before. Oh, and, 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 and even more important, I hadn't done that. Yeah, I knew that, but I, whoo, I ain't been doing that. And who ain't been doing that at all. Yeah. yeah, I remember the Lord told me that ten years ago. Anyway, how do we get off on all that? He that, everyone rather, that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. I mean, that is a big statement, isn't it? Is, I mean, yeah, but what if they quote scriptures? What if they, what if they see, have some miracles? What, what if they, if they love not, they what? They don't know God, for God is. Is love. Let's say that out loud a couple of times. God is love. Again. God is love. One more time. God is love. And we've suggested to you previously, and I'll say it again for those that weren't with us. I recommend to you that you substitute the word love for God. In your readings and in your talking about God and in your study over the next few weeks and months, it'll open up whole realms of things to you. Anytime you see the word God, say love instead. Anytime you're talking about God, use the word love instead of God. It'll open up a whole realm of things to you. For God is love. God heals. So what else could you say? Love heals. But my God shall supply, but what? But my love shall supply 
Do you see what I'm talking about? It immediately takes on a different thing. For as many as are led by the spirit of love, there are the sons of love. (laughs) See what I'm talking about? It takes on a, a, a whole dimension. Because if you're not seeing from the love perspective, you don't see it like God sees it. If you're not dealing with it like love deals with it, then you're not dealing with it as God directs. So substitute the word love for God. In your scriptures, in your thinking, in your praying, in your confessing. And you'll find it will open up this thing to you wonderfully. Go to John 13, please. John 13 and 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. This is the marking characteristic of a true Christian. I don't know if you realize it, but we have a number of people in churches, even in good churches, that are not born again. You run across these people at different times. I haven't, Phyllis, and I haven't been surprised at people that have been around the Word a lot. But there's something not right about them. Hmm? Do you understand? You can go to church for years. You can have been baptized in water. You can have your name on the church roll and not be born again. What's going to be missing if they haven't been born again? This divine God kind of love. This is the mark. There are other groups. There are groups that purport to be Christian. They meet together. They sing. They have teaching and preaching. They give in the offerings. Uh, they, they have regular services like we said. But in some, some of these churches, none of them are born again. Not even the pastor. Amen. We had a, a, a man that had come to Ramah after retiring from, what was it, 30-something years in the ministry? 30-something years in the ministry. Went to a, a prayer group and realized he wasn't saved. This is after he retired from the ministry. So he and his wife got born again. And got filled with the Spirit and came to Ramah. And said he didn't want to go in empty handed. Amen. Even He wanted to get some fruit before he left. But it shouldn't be a mystery to us who is the real Christian. Who is a true Christian and who is not. Because we've got the answer. We've got the direction right here. It is this divine love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Now go over to the 15th chapter, please. John 15. And he said in verse 9, 15, 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments... You shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. 
The Lord told us to walk in this kind of love so the, the result in our life would be full joy. But you know as well as I that so many people, when they start talking about walking in love, you don't see joy. You see a sadness. You see a heaviness. Well, we just have to walk in love. <laughs> huh? He said, if you keep my commandments, you will live and dwell and stay in this love. And these things I've told you, spoken to you, so that my joy would be in you, and your joy might be full, and this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. We talked this morning about the law of the flesh versus the law of Christ. In Galatians 6, he said, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You could also say the law of the Christian. When you say, I am a Christian, I am like the anointed one. I am a disciple, a follower of his. Then like 1 John 2, 6 says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. To, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? The Lord has said to me in months past, he said, this has been perverted. It's what, what people call a Christian has been perverted to the point that many, many outsiders especially, they don't have an idea what a Christian, real Christian is. What is a real Christian? It's one like him. Right? What is being like him? What is the law that he lived by? He was and is love manifested in the flesh. And did he not live a life of laying down his life for others? So can you truly be a Christian if you never lay down your life for anybody else? Some have gotten, they're thinking so distorted, do they think the main objective of being a Christian is being a person of faith and getting everything you want? No, that's the benefits. That's some of the benefits. The law of the flesh, living after your own desires, living your life to get what you want and satisfy yourself is the small life. It is the restricted, narrow life. It is the unhappy life. The dissatisfied life. But the giving life is the fulfilling life. Amen? It's something we should know. We've heard different aspects of it here and there. But very few have really fully embraced it and believed that to abandon yourself, to fully give yourself over, to live for others and give for others would make you the happiest you could possibly be. Many don't believe that at all. But is it true? How are you going to be happy? How are you going to get fulfilled? Will it be 
When you get the new car and the new house, when you, when you get everything materially and naturally that you want, will it give you that fulfilling inside? It won't. But you'll find the people that can have the most stuff and it not have them are the people that it doesn't mean as much to. The people who they get up in the morning, they live, they breathe to help somebody. Amen. These are the people that can embrace a big vision. And these are the people that their faith can rise up big to produce that vision because it's working by big love. Are you with me? Now I want to go into some detail about what it means to lay down your life. But before we ever get into it, it's some of these subjects. I heard Brother Hagin talk some years past. He talked about teaching on demons and teaching on deliverance and teaching on some of these things. Uh, you have to do it right or you wind up doing more harm you do good. And that's why I've kept talking about this and talking about this. What's going to help you identify the real God kind of love? It's going to be accompanied with joy. I've said it again and again. I'm going to keep saying it. You're going to think it's a broke record. But how can you tell if you're going in the right direction walking in love? What did he say? These things I've spoken to you that my joy might be in you, remain in you, and that your joy might be full. When it's the real thing, when it's the real love of God, you actually take pleasure. You actually enjoy sacrificing, being inconvenienced, having to wait on yours. You get to the place where you enjoy it. You delight in it. That's when you're maturing in love. That's when you're maturing in God. And that's when God can trust you with precious things. Amen. Because you're no longer asking amiss. But you're asking in wisdom. And you're asking in love. And that's when God can come into you and expand your vision and expand your faith. Amen. And cause you to see things you haven't seen. And cause things that seem totally out of reach to seem totally within reach now. Amen. Because you are becoming a true Christian. You're walking in the true Christian way. The law of Christ is what? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you understand that Jesus didn't wake up any day of his life and ministry? He didn't wake up and say, what do I want to do today? Huh? Did he not say, I do always those things that please him? Talking about the Father. Did he not say, I came down from heaven not to do my own will? Huh? But the will of him that sent me. That's the way he lived. He said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. Talk about selflessness. But was he depressed? Did he feel robbed of his life? No. But this is the bill of goods the devil has sold the church. That if you really give up your life to follow him and lay it down for others, you'll be miserable. Because you won't get to do what you want to do and you won't get to be and have what you want to have. And we live in a selfish generation. Do you know it? 
And it's because people have left God out. Oh, we live in such a selfish generation. It shows up in the little things we'll talk about later. And it shows up in the big things. But you and I are the body of Christ. Amen? And the thing that was in Him that made Him what He was as He walked the earth is in us. As we walk the earth. Amen? And we're to live not just for ourselves, but we're to live to give. We're to live, amen, actually taking pleasure. Taking pleasure in sacrifice if it helps somebody else. Amen. And the person that will embrace this and the person that will pursue this will find a joy that nothing on earth, no material things can give you, a fulfillment, a sense of purpose, a sense of satisfaction that only the Almighty can give to His creation. Amen. That's what He's saying. When you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. And my joy will be in you and stay in you. And your joy will be full. Are you looking for fullness of joy? (laughs) We just found it. I said we found it. We ought to celebrate. We found it. We found what no drug, what no alcohol, what no possessions, what no human person can do for you. How do you act on it? You lay down your life. Sounds like fun, huh? (laughs) So we got to have some major mind renewal. Because every time you get to that point, your flesh will, whoa, whoa, wait up, wait up, wait a minute now. I'm all for the joy stuff, but what are you talking about now? It's actually the, the manifestation of sowing and reaping. Go with me, if you would, to Luke 9. (laughs) Those of you who don't know what that's about, they thought I wouldn't get to it. Luke 9. We had to talk about Brother Vic Victory and Brother Terry Trial a little bit. We had to talk about light and easy. Amen. That's why we didn't get to Luke 9. But Luke 9 is still here. Luke 9. Luke 9 in verse 22. Are you with me now as far as what it means to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? It means being like the Christ. Being like the anointed one. He was and is love. Manifested in the flesh. How did he live his life? He laid it down. Amen. During his life, he laid down his... I mean, you can see times, for instance, when he was grieving over his, his relative, John the Baptist. And multitudes came out to him when he tried to get away and get quiet. And he rose up and saw him, and compassion came up in his heart and he ministered to him all day. I'll go ahead and, and jump ahead a little bit and say this. Something I had not seen that the Lord hates and he despises. And it is a perversion of his great love. It's a religious shell of people who put on a phony act of love for their own spiritual betterment in their mind. Trying to act like 
they love you, and they don't care about you. They're just trying to be spiritual. You with me so far? How else could these things like 1 Corinthians 13 that we'll talk about later, that that you have mysteries and understand revelation, and that you give all kind of stuff and you do all kind of things, but it benefits you nothing? There is a perversion, there is a religious, ungodly love. It's, the devil is the great pretender, you know, that he's, he transforms himself into a minister of light. An angel and being of light, but he's not. But it has the look of it, it has the sound of it, it has the feel of it, and to those who, who are unlearned, it can look like the real thing. And I'm telling you, religious people who don't know God, but they have seen the scriptures about love and they know that's supposed to be the important thing, they have a too sweet to be true. You know what I mean by that? A a surpy exterior. And it just sounds too good to be true. You know why? It is. And they're so sweet and they're so wonderful until you push them a little bit too far. And then you'll see one of the meanest, ugliest spirits that you've ever run across. Why? Because that that love was not of God. It wasn't real love. It was a shift. And I'm just beginning to see this clearer. The Lord has ministered to me that he hates this thing. He despises it because it mocks his true love. And you and I need to discern it quickly and call it. These are some of the meanest people on the planet. They will smile and they will say they love you. And then they will kick you and they will shoot you and they will stab you. And they'll give you three scriptures why it's okay. They will brother this and sister that to your face and then turn around and stab you in the back. There's a false love. You and I, I want to be completely devoid of any vestige of falseness. Don't you? That when you say something, it's from your heart. And it's true. Amen. And you mean it. And, the, and God is love. But is God serpy and unreal? Love will spank you. Huh? Love will ground you. Won't it? But it won't lie to you. I said it won't lie to you. What does the proverb say? That the wounds of a friend are faithful, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I'd rather a friend hit me than an enemy kiss me. Hadn't you? That's what Judas did, isn't it? You remember that? That, that, That's a perfect picture of what we're talking about here. He came up and the Lord said to him, even called him, you know, friend. Because he was supposed to be. What do you come out here for? And he reaches up and and grabs him and and friend and and kisses him. He's already sold him out. That's the signal that this is the one to attack and take. 
And we're going to look at this perhaps if we have time. But this kind of act will open you up completely to the devil. And this is how people get to the point of deception and oppression and obsession and even possession. By responding deceitfully to God's precious love. How many understand when God loves you and he manifests his love to you and his mercy to you, there should be a response to that. It should be a response of faith. And it should be a response of love to Him. And it should be a response of faithfulness and loyalty. Right? Finish reading this please. Luke 9. Luke 9. 22. Jesus said the Son of Man must suffer many things. And be rejected of the elders and the chief priests. And scribes, and be slain, and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. Does that apply to you and I? Does it? I want an answer from everybody. Let me, let me say that again. When he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, how many of us does that apply to? Every one of us. Is it a bad thing? If you do it, will it make you depressed for the rest of your life? <laughs> huh? Is it following the master? Is that what he did? Did he deny himself? Did he take up his cross? He laid down his life. Did it make him sad all of his life? Is he sad now? No. Now there were some, there were some hard moments. No question about that. There were some hard moments. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he even endured the cross. Amen. Suffered and, and despised that shame though. How did he do it? For the joy. Everybody say joy. joy. For the joy that was set before. That, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what gives you the strength. To say no, you take it. I'll wait on mine. No, I want you to, I want you to have this right now. I'll believe God for two of them later. Amen. It takes faith to operate in this kind of love. That you are willing to sacrifice, you are willing to be inconvenienced that somebody else may be blessed. And oh, how much more that somebody else may be saved. Now you and I can't pay the price for another's sins. We don't need to. It's already been paid. But we can pay a price that the gospel can get to somebody. Amen. We can pay a price that in prayer and in giving and in believing and in preaching and teaching and traveling and working and going and sending. You can lay down your whole life. Can't you? And many are doing that. But how many are supposed to do it? Just because you're not called to stand behind a pulpit doesn't mean you don't have a ministry. It doesn't mean you're not called to do this. And God has given us a free will. We can choose our own life. We can make our own plans. 
or he already has a plan. And it is not for us to decide what we want to be. That's already been decided for us. It's for us to discover what we've already been called and appointed and anointed to be and do. Keep reading here. He said, For whosoever, verse 24, will save his life, what will happen? If you hold on to your, your personal flesh dreams and your personal things that you think will make you happy and what you want, what will happen to you? It will run through your fingers. You will lose it. You know, I had the privilege of teaching at Rama Bible Training Center of the Kenneth Hagin Ministry for a number of years. And as instructors, we also were uh, supposed to have exit interviews with anybody that quit. And it was interesting. We had one fellow that quit after two weeks. And his reason was that he already knew everything that was being taught. (laughs) This is one of these super ignorant guys I was talking about (laughs) earlier. (laughs) How would you know in two weeks that you knew everything that was going to be taught for two years? How would you know that? I guess just a superior intellect. <laughs> Somebody said, what'd y'all tell him? Bye. <laughs> Some folk don't want to hear, so. Talk to one fella, bless his heart. He, he quit. He's going to quit, but you don't know, why, why are you quitting? Well, he said, I'm not eating good. I'd just been eating those, what do you call those, Raymond noodles? What do you call them? Yeah, you know what they are. And, and he's been eating uh, the box, the cheap boxes of macaroni and cheese. And he said, I've been, I've been doing this for months now. And he said, uh, man, back home, I can eat with mama and them. And they got steak every other day. And I said, now let me get this straight. You're quitting so you can go home to mama's and eat steak. He said, well. But he already had his mind made up. You know what a serious thing that is? Do you understand? We, we need to, to get back to some of the, the fire and some of the zeal and some of the honor that the beginnings of the church had in the book of Acts. I mean, they had the pudding beat out of them. And they went back rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for him. He said, God, I'm so glad you didn't give my beating to somebody else. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But the modern church doesn't think like that. They think, oh, we've been delivered from all that. Have we now? Have we now? No, you ought not suffer for your own mistakes. You don't have to suffer from the curse of the law. Thank God. But there is a suffering, First Peter talks about, according to the will of God. And it's an honor. But see, this is foreign to the modern body, isn't it? But I'm telling you, we're entering into a time right now. Did you hear me? 
where it's getting blacker and whiter. You know what I mean by that? Where the true and the false and the sheep and the goats are going to be made more and more clearly divided. And if you are just a comfort Christian... And the only reason you got into this thing to begin with is because you heard that you could get faith and get a new car. <laughs> and get a new house. And that's all, that's all that you've been in it for. And that's all you know. That also answers why you hadn't gone any further than you have. But I'm telling you, we, we read about in the epistles where the Bible says they took the spoiling of their goods joyfully. Knowing that they got a richer inheritance. Knowing that this stuff is just stuff. Do we have this higher mentality? The only thing that will give it to you is the true love of God. The true love of God. That you know how much He loves you. And you love Him so much. And you love His people so much. That nothing else means that much to you. And you're willing to experience discomfort, even pain, even loss, even sacrifice, anything. Now here's the big if. If it benefits the kingdom of God. Now I gave you these two things this morning. I want to go over them again. We're going to see the second one more clearly. Here, like we've said, are two of the biggest uh, defining characteristics of if it's true, if it's right, if you're going in the right way with this. Number one we've already said is what? Joy. 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 Secondly, if you're really operating in this kind of love, it benefits somebody else. If you think you're going through a bunch of suffering and it's not benefiting anybody else, you're deluded. You're deceived. If you think you're going through a bunch of stuff for your own personal spiritual development and I'm just suffering all this stuff so I can get greater revelation and so I can get close to God and I can have, then you are deluded. You are deceived. That is not Christian suffering. Jesus suffered nothing except it benefited somebody else. Do you realize that I just, you know, kicked over a lot of sacred cows right there? Do you, do you understand that? There are whole denominations that some of their central theme is this perverted suffering for Jesus. And that they go through all this trauma in their life and it's supposedly just for their personal spiritual development. I'm going to say it boldly, that is a deception. I said it is a deception. First Peter, if you read the whole epistle closely, he, he carefully defines two reasons for suffering. One is suffering for your own faults. Suffering because of your own mistakes and failures. And so much of human suffering falls into that category. There is no glory in it. There's no reward for it. You are not the better for having gone through it. At all. Did you hear me? And I'll just be frank, it kind of rubs me the wrong way when somebody is suffering for their own mistakes and they want to try to harp and say it's for the glory of God. No, no. But there is a suffering according to the will of God. Amen. It's a suffering for the cause of Christ. It's a suffering for the benefit of the kingdom. It's a willingness to lay down yourself. Like, like Paul talked about, who was it, Epaphroditus? That, that put his life at risk so that he could come. And he was nearly dead. He nearly died, the Bible said, so he could bring things to me. 
He said to hold such in honor that because for the cause of Christ, he hazarded his life. That's to be honored. I said that's to be honored. You'll push yourself. You'll spend your last money. You'll stay up all night and miss sleep to pray. You'll you'll sacrifice. You'll lay down yourself for somebody else. If nobody else is benefiting, then it's vain. Now let's, let's establish this from the word more clearly. I want you to go with me to Romans. And this is the part I was talking about. I want us to take some time and turn to some scriptures. Can you handle that? I want us to go to scripture after scripture for a few minutes here. Romans 15. These are some things we have to believe God through and to. There's a lot of shouting comes later. But we got to get there. Amen. We got to get there. Actually, I'll be honest with you. When the Lord gave me this assignment, I was a little bit hesitant because I knew that some of the first part of it, people don't always see it initially. And you just have to stay after it. Oh, but when you do see it, when it begins to break on your soul, when it begins to break on the light of it dawns on your being, it, it lifts you up to a place you haven't been before. Amen. Do, do you hear what the Spirit of God was saying to me? He said so many don't know what true Christianity is. Now how much more basic can you get than that? True Christianity. Tell me what true Christianity is. Love. It's being like the Master. Amen. And He lived to give. He lived to lay down His life for somebody else. Did it make Him sad? Did it make Him depressed? Was he a sad Jesus or was he anointed with the oil of gladness and joy above his brethren? Did he have victory? We know the joy of the Lord is your strength. We know he wasn't weak. So did he have joy? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You know, I was in a church. This must have been at least 15 years ago. First time I'd ever been there. And I mean, I hadn't got started into my message good until there were two or three ladies on the front row right up here started groaning, crying, sad. Loud. Oh, oh, oh. And I mean, so sad. So sad. Well, that was distracting. I made it through. The next morning there, they are again. And they start crying. Sad. Sad. Groaning. So sad. Finally, after, after that morning service, I asked the pastor, I said, what's, what's the situation with the ladies on the front there? He said, well, Brother Keith, those are intercessors. He said, they're praying for you. They're interceding for you. I almost said, well, I wish they'd quit. So I said, what's wrong with that, Brother Keith? A number of things are wrong with that. Don't you believe in, in intercession? Yes, I also believe in supplication and petitions and requests and all kinds of prayer. You believe in groaning? I absolutely do. I have. I do. You believe in travail? I have. I do. Yes. But things are to be done properly, decently, and in order. And there are times if something comes on you heavy and you feel like you need to pray or groan, you need to see who's around you and what's going on. And a lot of times you should excuse yourself. Amen. But not only that. You don't... You're not supposed to live in that place of moaning and groaning. 
Yes, you may have a burden to pray. Yes, you may groan. Yes, you may feel heavy. But get in there and pray that thing through and then stand up and shout. Get to victory. Amen. And stand up and shout. You show me a sad prayer, I will show you a weak prayer. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. You see people do this before. Brother, we're just, we're just believing God with you. We're believing God. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you are not. If you were believing that God had already heard our prayers and granted our request and the answer was on the way, the money was on the way, the healing power is working in the body, it don't make you depressed. Does it? No. How'd we get to that? <laughs> Romans 15, are you there? I want to show you these scriptures because we got something else we need to pick up with in the morning. Verse 1. We then that are strong ought to go on to infinite levels of personal spiritual <laughs> development. <laughs> Just go on and on. And on and on. No matter how much personal suffering or trauma, because there is a heightened state of enlightenment that we can reach and just live in glory, glory, la, la, land. Mm -mm. That's not real Christianity. Think about it now. Think about it. When you see somebody that's doing or acting in a way that they call spiritual, that seems funny to you, all you got to ask yourself, is that how Jesus lived? Huh? Did he go around all the time with his eyes rolled back in his head? Talking incoherently? Because he was in a plane above everybody else? and He wasn't really in touch with what was going on? He was so high above it? Little kids like to be around him. Little kids don't want to be around spacey, freaky folks. Do they? It scares them. Doesn't it? Are they like Jesus? You know, some of the most spiritual, the most highly developed in God people I know, and, and I believe I am acquainted with some, they are some of the most normal acting <laughs> people you want to be around. In fact, some of them so much so that people that don't know better just think they're carnal. But they know what true spirituality is. And I want you to know this, it is nothing fake or phony about it. The things of God are real. You either have a word of knowledge or you don't. You either understand it or you don't. You either see it or you don't. Right? I remember one of the first meetings that Brother Hagin ever took Phyllis and I on crusades. And he was having me speak in the afternoon. And I was young in ministry and green. And, and man, the glory was coming down and in the meetings. And it was awesome. It was wonderful. And we're riding to the meeting that night. And I mean, you just sense the anointing. And he was in the back seat, and I was in the front, and Phyllis and Mom Hagen were in the back. He, they wanted me in the front for some reason. So we're riding along, and I'm just sitting there trying to be quiet, because I realize, you know, if you say talk too much, 
It shows your immaturity. Of course, you reveal what you don't know when you talk. You, people, people who have a lot of understanding, they can get a lot out of three sentences that you say. They can just tell a whole lot about you. You know, the spiritual man discerns all things, the scripture said, but he himself is discerned of no man. A lot of times people that really know some stuff, they'll just go, hmm, and nod a couple of times. And you've told them half your life and didn't even know it. But anyway, we're riding along and all at once, Brother Hagin reaches up. I'm sitting right in front of him. He grabs a seat and he just starts shaking. He goes, woo, 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 woo. Shaking, man, I'm shaking like this. <laughs> and he said, he said, boy, did you feel that? Boy, did you feel that? It just got quiet in the car and I'm thinking, oh God, oh God. <laughs> Because I didn't feel anything, man. I, I thought, oh, God, you know, we hadn't got started in the meeting good. Now he's going to see how really unspiritual I am. And finally, I just, no, not a word. It just got quiet. And I, I finally I said, uh, uh, no, sir. No, sir. He said, me neither. <laughs> I thought he was serious. But I thought many times after that, you know, what if I had said, oh, yeah, 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 whoo, yeah, yeah, whoo. <laughs> then I would have told off something. <laughs> Everybody say true love. True Christianity. True spirituality. That's what I want. He said, we then that are strong, what should we do? We ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and what? And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us do what? Please his neighbor. Now neighbor doesn't just mean the people that bought the house next to you. Neighbor is literally nearby. Whoever you happen to be nearby at the time. Let every one of us please his nearby, whoever's close around him, for his good, we might say, to his edification. For even Christ, are you a Christian? Then that means you are like Christ, a Christ-like one. Even Christ, what? Pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. But it make him depressed all the time. No. No. Go to the 16th chapter. We're looking at scriptures now. 16. 16. 1. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant or a deaconess of the church which is at Sincrea. That you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that you assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for she has been a succorer, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life done what? Laid down their own necks. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. In other words, he's telling them, you owe them a great debt of gratitude because 
they, they laid down their life for me in all these situations. We ought to purpose in our heart. We want to be a helper of the body. We want to be a succorer, a helper, an encourager of the brethren. Amen. But you can't do that if you're always thinking about what they should have done for you. Hmm? You got, you got to get out of the law of the flesh and into the law of Christ. In healing school one time I taught on walking in love and its, its connection with healing for a whole week. And at the end of a week a lady caught me out in the hall. She said, Brother Keith, I'm so glad that you taught on this. I'm so glad I've been telling people and telling people that they're supposed to be walking in love with me. <laughs> I said, Sister, you missed the whole deal. This is not just all so that people will walk in love with you. You can't control everybody. But you can control yourself. And you, you watch it. Check up on yourself. If you're always thinking, well, you know, well, they could have they given me this. They could have sent me an offering. They, they could have invited me. They could have included me in that. They, they could have asked me to go with them. They, why didn't they do this? Or they should have done that. Or they, you, see, you're in the law of the flesh. And if you're in that mode, you are not thinking about what you could have done for them. I've seen married couples sitting across the desk counseling. And she's saying, you know, well, you don't give me what I need. I have needs. And you, you don't give me what I need and you, you don't respect me and you're, you haven't been there for me. And, and you're not meeting my emotional needs and my spiritual needs and you're, you're not there for me. And immediately he says, well, you're not there for me. I have needs too. You don't respect me. You don't support me. You're not there for me. I have needs. Do you hear what's going on? This party is saying, I need, I need. Give me, give me. Other one saying, well, I need, I need. Give me, give me. Nobody's giving anything. There's nothing to receive. And unless this changes, there's no hope. I live by a principle, and it's this, when it comes to people, now when it comes to God, this is a different deal, but when it comes to people, expect nothing, appreciate everything. <laughs> and you know I don't get my feelings hurt. If you really do that, then you don't get your feelings hurt when they didn't invite you because you weren't expecting them to. But if they did, it's a surprise and you're glad. You stay happy. <laughs> Four people got that. <laughs> Said out loud, expect nothing. Now I'm talking about from people. Now from God, expect big time. I'm talking about from people. Expect nothing and what? Be thankful, be grateful, appreciate everything that anybody does for you. Amen? Be glad, be, be grateful, be thankful. Don't get in this mode of thinking that they should have done this for me. Or they, why didn't they include me? Why didn't they ask me? And why didn't they send me this? And, you know, it was my birthday. <laughs> You're a baby. A little teeny weeny crybaby. Chris, that's right. Boy, I won some friends that time, Pastor. Could you, could you feel it through the congregation? It's true. Grow up in the Lord. 
Grow up in love. Amen. Get to the place where when it's your birthday, you buy everybody else presents. Yeah. Why not? Why not? It's a lot happier life. Instead of sitting around sulking, they didn't send me nothing. You big old baby. It's amazing that people that are supposed to be friends and supposed to be family act like the relationship could almost be over. Because you didn't do something on a certain time or day. Well, that ain't much of a friend now, is it? You've been through all kind of stuff and you made it through all kind of things and now it's going to be over. Because you didn't get no flowers. Because you didn't, you didn't get a card. Because your pastor didn't remember something. I ain't going to church there no more. <laughs> you know, if you act like that and you feel like that, not only are you, are you being the biggest baby on the block, but you are judging yourself unworthy of the caliber and quality of associates that God's given you. You are. And you're in danger of losing it. We ought to be mature enough to know if we don't see somebody for five years. Huh? We should know what's there. Right? And be able to just pick up where you left off when you see them again. Amen? And I'd rather, instead of somebody remembering days and remembering set things, which is fine, I'm not knocking that now, it's, it's all right. But even more important than that, I'd rather folk be hooked up in the spirit enough that when you really needed something, huh, they'd get it. They'd be there to help you. God could use them, God could talk to them. Amen? I'd rather somebody do something that was directed of God and right than to waste money. On something that really didn't mean anything. Hadn't you? And yet it's all right. It's all right to do things for people on their birthday and anniversary. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying from the other end of it, if you don't get a card, don't lose your salvation. (laughs) Right? Show, Show that there's more to you than little preemie baby stuff. Grow up in God. Amen. And so, well, I know they love me. I'm not worried about that piece of cardboard. Huh? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for that amen. How did I get off on that? First Corinthians. I got some scriptures we need to get to. Come on. First Corinthians 10. I'm talking about the law of Christ. I'm talking about laying down our life. It's not a bad thing. It's not a, a depressing thing. It's a good thing. It's a thing that brings you full satisfaction and joy. 1 Corinthians 10 and 23. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. There's a lot of things you can do. But not everything you do would build up somebody else. Verse 24. 
He, he, he amplifies it. He says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's. Wealth is in italics, but it's just another's prosperity, we could say. But that doesn't just mean just their physical, material prosperity, but all their prosperity. Their spiritual, their, their physical. Would it benefit you to seek another's prosperity? Yes. Matthew 7, what is it, 12, what we call the golden rule. He says, in all things, whatsoever you would that men should do for you, do you even so unto them. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Would you like for somebody to pay off your house? Huh? I dare say there's a lot of people believing for that right now. Well, according to this scripture, what should you do? Well, maybe you can't just write the check, but you can sow seeds. You, you can make payments. And uh, would it really excite you more to pay their house off than to get yours paid off? I lost a big bunch of the crowd. Right there. <laughs> but this is where we are. But it's not where we have to stay. Hmm? Would you like for somebody to come buy you a new car? Would you? Have the keys in their hand and go, hey, you know, God woke me up last night, told me to buy you this car. Here it is. Here's the title and the tag and the insurance. It's all in your name. Would you like that? Would that bless you? Then according to Matthew 7, 12, what should you do? All things, whatsoever you would that men would do for you, do you even so unto them. This is the law and the prophets. It's all of it. Are you using your faith for somebody else? We, we got to school ourselves in this. We got to train ourselves. I mean, one of the first times I saw this, the, the Lord led me. You know, we, were, we had a vehicle that we owed some money on. And uh, we had part of it paid down, but we owed some on the rest. And the Lord dealt with me, you know, this is how this works, sowing and reaping. You want somebody to help you pay yours off, you need to help somebody pay theirs off. Now, you don't just run out and grab the first person you see. You need to hear from the Lord because you can waste seed. You can miss God in these things. So I began to seek the Lord and I asked him, I said, well, Lord, show me who I can help. Show me what I can do. And it didn't happen just in a week or two. There were a few months past. But I kept getting this minister friend of mine come up in my heart. And I saw he had a, a Ford car there. Eventually, you know, I found out the things that are important. If it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. And the more you wait on God, you just get more and more sure about it. And eventually I went to his office and I sat down and across and we talked about this and that. And finally I said, you know, that, that car out front there. I said, that's your car? He said, yeah. I said, I know it's none of my business. I said, but do you owe money on that car? He said, well, yeah, some. And I said, I know it's none of my business, but how much do you owe? And he said, $3,300. I breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> I'll just be honest, because the Lord had already dealt with me to pay it off if it had been 20000 you know. Of course, this was a few years ago, and, and 3300 looked bigger to me then than it does now. It wouldn't have mattered if it was 33000 because I didn't have either one. I didn't have it. But the Lord had already dealt with me. Now, see, I'm, I'm talking about practical ways that you lay down your life 
for others, amen, that you use your faith for somebody. The Lord had already dealt with me. I got it in my spirit. I said, well, I'm going to pay that off for you. I said, uh, how much are your payments? And he told me it was 300 and something dollars. I said, I'm going to send you at least that much every month. Give me at least a year and, I, and I'll pay it off. He said, really? I said, yeah. Well, he was glad. And it really does, when you get into this, you will get more pleasure out of seeing somebody else's needs met. You'll enjoy yours, but you'll even get more out of being used to meet somebody else's need. Oh, you tap into something rich here. The very law of the Christ. True Christianity. We had to believe God. Everything else that was going on. But you know, it was there every month. That $330 or whatever it was. And we paid it off in 11 months. Is that right? 11 instead of whatever it was. And uh, he was happy. We were happy. We were glad. But you know, you find out if you really believe this. When you start getting in your pocketbook every month. And sending somebody else's payment. But I'm telling you, woman, just a couple of months after that. Somebody met me in the parking lot and they thrust a check in my hand. Said, Brother Keith, I don't know what you need this for, but I think you need this. I looked at it. It was exactly the amount to pay off that other car. Which was like four times that amount or something. Like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars whatever it was. Amen. And we went and paid it off. But you know, really, I got more kicks out of paying his off than I did mine. Do you believe that? Is that real to you? And you actually get addicted to this. We're going to read that in just a minute. You, you, well, let's just read it right now. Skip on over to the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Right where you are. 1 Corinthians 16. Well, I moved too quick. You didn't finish reading that passage. I'm going to read this. We'll read that. We'll close. We'll pick up here. I can't, I can't do it all tonight. 1 Corinthians 10, go back there, let's finish it, then we'll read that. 1 Corinthians 10, what we read, 23 and 24, verse 24 again, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth or prosperity. Verse 31, whether therefore you eat, or you drink, or whatever you do, do all. To the glory of God. And give non-offense. Neither to the Jews. Nor to the Gentiles. Nor to the church of God. Even as I do what? Did you hear the Spirit of God through Paul? Even as I please all men in all things. Not seeking my own profit. But the profit of many that they may be saved. Is this true Christianity? Is this how Jesus lived? Is this how the Apostle Paul lived? Is there another example for us to follow or is this it? This is it. This is it. And in the 16th chapter that I mentioned to you. 16 and 13. 16, 13. He said, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men and be strong. And let all your things be done with love. How many? All All your things. 
Is that breakfast? Getting ready? Getting dressed? Getting ready for school? Getting ready for work? Driving back from work? Huh? Dealing with business partners? Dealing with clients? Customers? Ornery customers? Huh? Let all your things, say all your things. Let all your things be done with love. And I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me keep reading. He says that you submit yourselves to such and to everyone that helps with us and labors. I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied and they have refreshed my spirit and yours. So acknowledge them that are such. Is that what you want to be? When you come around, you refresh people. Amen. Through your words, through your countenance. Because you, you, you're not just focused in on yourself. You're just not, not morbid and sad about what you don't have and what somebody hadn't done for you. You look up. You're not so deceived into thinking that when you walk into the room, the music is supposed to stop and they roll out the red carpet because you can't. You're not expecting anything. But you're appreciating everything and your heart's open for God to use you to help somebody. And you get started with this, you actually get addicted to it. So that you, if you go through a day or two and don't do anything for anybody, you start having withdrawals. And you go, man, I got to help somebody. I got to do something. For so- you do, you, you get addicted to it until you get to feel like something's wrong. If I go all day and I just think about me and I just dwell on mine, I'm, something's wrong. And it is. The problem is so many Christians have lived that way so long, they think that's normal. It's not normal for the Christian. You are born to be a blessing of God. Amen. You are called of God and equipped to be a refresher of people's spirits. You don't have to be able to preach. You don't have to be able to quote all the Bible. You just got to have the real love of God in your heart. You can come in, smile at somebody behind the checkout stand and just let all kind of peace come out of your eyes and all kind of love come out of your eyes. You don't have to spend all day with them, but just for two minutes, they know that somebody thinks they're worth the time. Amen. Amen. That you don't see them just as a piece of furniture. You don't just see them as something in your way. You see them as an eternal spirit, some, the one that God loved and gave His only begotten Son for. Amen. I'm talking about a higher way of life. I'm talking about what we were called to be. I'm talking about living in the first fruits of what we're going to exist in heaven with forever. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. Let's decree it. Let's proclaim it. Sit out loud. I'm born born of God. God. I'm born born of love. Love is in me. I live in love. I walk in love. I think in love. I see through love. I touch in love. I operate in love. I'm born to be a blessing to my family, 
to my friends, to my associates, to my neighbors. I am a blessing. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Why don't you just close your eyes for just a moment. Just lift up your hands before the Lord and thank Him just quietly. Father, I thank You so much. I know we've just barely gotten into some of these things. And I know maybe I didn't say or do everything just right, but I know Your Spirit has the ability to open this up to people's hearts and minds. Bring them into the fullness of this. And we're believing You for this right now. Say this out loud from from a prayer of faith. Father God, open up my spirit. And make me aware of people all around me like I've never been. Help me to be aware spiritually of the spirits of men and women and children all around me. And I make myself available for you. To meet their needs. And to bless. And to touch. To help. To strengthen. Through me. By me. As fully as you please. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.